aquí demasiado los costos muy bajos porque el quintal solo because they were paying 125 quetzales for 100 pounds okay one quetzal and 25 cents per pound less than 25 cents of dollars really yeah wow this is part of an interview i did with a coffee farmer in guatemala he had just told me that he had sold some of his coffee for about 70 cents per pound, which is most likely at a loss. Later on in this episode, we'll hear back from him, and I'll show you how drinking this coffee is actually helping him out. Welcome to the Paradigm Coffee Podcast, where every cup has a story. I'm your host, Grand Store. Every episode focuses on a new coffee roast, where I unpack the story of where your coffee came from, and introduce you to a new way of experiencing coffee. To get the most out of this podcast, it's best to listen with a freshly brewed cup of today's featured coffee, which you can get at ParadigmCoffeeRoasters.com. Today's coffee is the De La Gente coffee from Antigua, Guatemala. Let's first look at taste. What I'm going to do is actually help guide you through on how to try this coffee. So if you have the coffee with you, Take that first sip now, and let's try to find that first flavor note of milk chocolate. It's not actually going to taste like milk chocolate, but more what you're looking for is that silkiness that comes from milk chocolate. To help with that, think about the comparison between dark chocolate and milk chocolate, where dark chocolate's got that more strong bite to it, and milk chocolate is much more smooth. It just almost like melts in your mouth. And that's the kind of sensation we're looking for here. Which, as you were trying to do that, you may have noticed that, yeah, this coffee isn't actually bitter. You're not having to mask it with any kind of creamer or anything like that. Which, if you preemptively put creamer in this coffee, I'd first ask you if you could go back and try just a little bit of this black. Just, just give me a moment to try, to try to convince you. Because most of the time, the reason why people put creamer in their coffee is because they're trying to mask a lot of the imperfections in coffee. Because coffee isn't supposed to be bitter. That's just something we've gotten accustomed to. But bitterness is actually an imperfection in coffee. It's a defect. It's either a defect in the quality of the coffee or it's a over-roasting of the coffee. But coffee isn't actually supposed to be bitter. Coffee is actually a lot more like wine in that it's very nuanced and there's a lot of different vibrant flavors that can come out of it. Coffee can be earthy, it can be sweet, it can be acidic, it can be floral even to the point that you may be thinking you're drinking tea. But one thing coffee isn't supposed to be is it's not supposed to be bitter. We've just gotten used to that. So that's what I'm trying to do here is show you how to try good coffee. So let's go back and try it again. So take another sip of the coffee and try to find that milk chocolate taste. And maybe let it sit in your mouth for a second. Now that it's cooled off a little bit, it's not going to burn your mouth. And try to get that milk chocolate taste. But as you're doing that, you may have actually now noticed that it's gotten even sweeter than last time somehow. It, the sweetness is deeper, almost like a like a cherry, which is kind of that second flavor note here is the dark cherry. Is that as the temperatures drop, the sweetness is more pronounced now. And so that should be the progression you should taste in this coffee. It should be very smooth and then move to sweet. And then there's kind of the sweetness kind of almost brightens up instead of like the dark cherry it kind of moves to like a sweetness like a strawberry and that should be the kind of the aftertaste you're left with is that bright sweetness if this is your first time trying coffee like this 
You may be wondering how these flavors came into the coffee. Which, to clear any confusion, I'm not actually roasting this coffee with any chocolate or cherries or anything like that. Everything you're trying is coming straight from the beans itself. Which may lead to another question. What is coffee anyways? Even though we call them beans, coffee is actually seeds. There's a tree that produces these cherry-like fruit. And every cherry has two seeds in it, which are the coffee beans. Which these cherries are then harvested and either through a natural process or through a mechanical process, the fruit is then removed and the seeds are then fermented and dried out, which then allows them to be prepared for exportation. And this is what is called green coffee. And this coffee is then exported to coffee roasters, which then all a roasting process is, is essentially just cooking. Where all it is, is this green coffee is put into this elaborate oven that's more precisely temperature controlled. And the more that you roast the coffee, the darker the coffee gets. But that still doesn't explain how the flavors came into this coffee. And for that, we need to know where this coffee came from. This coffee comes from the Central American country of Guatemala, which is known for having one of the most beautiful lakes in the world, Lake Atitlan, and also some of the most beautiful volcanoes and some of the most prominent Mayan ruins are also in Guatemala. But for most people, when they think of Guatemala, they think of coffee. Specifically, Antiguan coffee. Which, a little bit about Antigua, it's actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and much of the 16th century buildings are still intact, and most of the roads are still cobblestone roads. Which is really cool for a view, for a viewing experience, but it's terrible for driving, and almost impossible for running. I... Tried running for a little bit uh, in the mornings, and I was always afraid I was going to snap my ankle. But regardless, it was it's a beautiful city. For being a prominent town, it's got a very small town feel to it, and it's very welcoming for tourism, but not overly crowded. But what makes Antigua so special is the farming community. See, Antigua sits in the valley of three different volcanoes, which are called Agua, Fuego, and Acatenango, which Fuego and Acatenango actually share a mountain ridge together. Acatenango is the bigger one, while Fuego is an active volcano. In fact, it's one of the most active volcanoes in Central America, with small eruptions happening every few minutes, which you can actually see the eruptions from Antigua. I actually got to hike Acatenango back in June, and it was by far the most painful hike I've ever been on. Instead of crisscrossing up the mountain like a typical trail, this trail went just straight up the mountain at an incredible incline. There were times where I could only take three steps before I had to take a quick breather. But being able to make it to the summit made it all worth it. And after it got dark, we were parallel with Fuego, and not only could we see the eruptions and hear the eruptions, but you could actually see red lava spewing out, not just the ash clouds. And it was something straight out of Lord of the Rings, where it looked like Mount Doom. I didn't even think that was real, that you would see lava spewing out. But when it was dark, you could see just these red flames just spewing out every couple minutes. And the eruptions were loud. It sounded like thunder every few minutes. The third volcano is Agua, which is actually the closest one to Antigua. And that's actually where this copy comes from. Now, Agua is not an active volcano anymore, but the high elevation and the history of 
the past eruptions from Agua, but also the other neighboring volcanoes, has provided this really rich soil for the Antigua region. While some single-origin coffees come from a, one particular farm, this coffee is actually part of a community of 28 farmers all work together. They created a cooperative together called Café Artesanal San Miguel. Since they're all neighbors and they grow about the same kind of coffee, they decide to pull their resources together and start a cooperative so they can just operate as one single entity. They created this cooperative because most coffee farms are actually way too small to be sustainable. In fact, 98% of coffee farms in Guatemala are generally producing less than 30,000 pounds of green coffee in a given year, which in 2019, the average price of green coffee has been selling for around $1.05 per pound of green coffee, which means the average farm is receiving about $30,000 in revenue per year. That's excluding any of the production costs that goes into it. Cooperatives are useful not just because of the increase in production quantity that a lot has, but also because it allows the farmers to share resources. Because there's a lot of steps that go into harvest all the way to getting to the green coffee. There's a lot of equipment that's required. And so being able to work in a singular cooperative allows there to be one central milling station that would be much more cost prohibitive if each farmer had their own set of equipment. The problem that remains, though, is that most of these cooperatives are cooperatives in really small, isolated villages in the mountains of Guatemala. And while the community will rally together and have maybe even 100,000 pounds of green coffee to sell, they're still in the middle of nowhere with very little connections because they're all in the same boat. And so they don't really have many connections to the outside market to sell their coffee. So even though their quantity is higher, they still don't have any buyers. And that's where De La Gente comes in. There, uh, you're going to find that kind of uh, plants all around Guatemala. This is Juan Carlos. He's one of the 28 members of the cooperative Café Artesanal San Miguel, who I got to meet when I was traveling through Antigua back in June, because he was putting on a public tour of his coffee farm. He's been growing coffee all his life as he's been working on the family farm ever since he was a child. And once he became an adult, he eventually bought his own farm, which he's slowly been buying more farming land along the base of Volcan de Agua, which is particularly more interesting in getting coffee that goes higher up in elevation. Because the higher elevation he can get his coffee to be grown at, the higher the quality he'll be able to produce. Coffee that's grown at high elevations is what is generally called strictly hard bean coffee, which is due to the lack of oxygen in the atmosphere at these high elevations. That paired with the lower average temperature causes the production process to slow down. Would you think that would be a bad thing to have a slower production, but actually the slower process allows the, the coffee cherries to produce more complex sugars, which allows there to be more flavor to come out of it. In some ways, it's kind of like taking an exam in school. If you were taking an exam and there was a really tight time limit, then you're just going to rush through and answer the easy answers first. And whatever free time you have left, you're just going to go with the next possible thing. You're gonna do quick eliminations, but a lot of it is just reactionary. However, if you were able to get an extension, you would go back to the ones you weren't sure about and you'd be able to make more deliberate answers. In that way, coffee is kind of the same in that if you give it only a certain amount of time, it's just going to produce the easiest components to be able to get to being ripe so that it can produce more trees. But if you give it more time, then it's able to settle down and develop more maturely. 
So that's why it's important for Juan Carlos to be able to get more coffee at higher elevations. Juan Carlos has been able to expand his farming production due to years of high quality production, but also it's due to being able to get these microloans from an organization called De La Gente, which De La Gente is this organization that works as a middleman between these small cooperatives to the larger consumer markets. The two main services that they provide for farmers is they work as the marketing branch to, to help attract buyers. They also assist farmers in increasing their production capacity. On the marketing side, they're the ones that make the connections with coffee importers and independent coffee roasters and help bring more visibility to cooperatives and the coffee farmers individually. On a smaller scale, they're the ones that help facilitate the coffee tours, the one that I actually got to go on. On the production side, De La Gente helps out with coffee farmers and cooperatives in a lot of different ways as well. The micro loan that Juan Carlos got was a 3% interest loan, which for loans outside of De La Gente, the average market for farmers was about 20%. That means the average market is seven times higher than what Juan Carlos is able to get from De La Gente. Or another way of putting that is saying that De La Gente provides like an 85% discount on their interest loans so that Juan Carlos can use that money to, to buy more farming land that's not going to be so prohibitive. But these loans are not just for farming expansion. A lot of the time it's usually used for uh, fertilizers and other forms of resources to help enhance production capacity. Which the fertilizer is not just to help enhance the production, it's also preventive resource as well. Because Guatemala is particularly prone to a type of fungus called coffee leaf rust. Once this fungus gets onto a coffee tree, it will start covering all of the leaves and basically prohibits it from photosynthesis or anything like that. So the basically kills the entire tree's production capacity. So the fertilizers helps enhance the production capacity, but also helps prevent the, the negative elements as well. But really all of this marketing and production assistance is just the means to the main objective, which is an equitable sales price for coffee farmers. Because really that's all that matters here is that the farmers are able to get a decent price for them to live on. And being able to produce good coffee are just the means to get there. You need to be able to produce good coffee at a low price, and you need people to know about your coffee. But ultimately, you're trying to get them to pay a price that is a premium product. Which I said earlier that the average price right now for coffee is about $1.05 per pound. Which we're talking about commodities coffee here, which means that there is no incentive for quality when it comes to coffee. And there's no reward for quality in coffee. That that $1.05 is going for the same coffee that you're buying when you buy Starbucks coffee or this coffee that you're enjoying right now. Which is crazy because you can objectively see the difference in quality between the coffee that you've had prior to this. But yet there's no financial reward for farmers to be able to sell it through a commodities price. This is why De La Gente doesn't negotiate on commodities pricing. What they do is kind of a hybrid model between direct trade and fair trade models. In that what they do is they evaluate the harvest from all of their cooperatives of that year. And they lock in a price that is at a price premium. Which their main objective is just to make a 40 cent per pound profit margin on. So for this year, they've locked in a contract of buying the coffee from coffee farmers for about $3.25 per pound, and then selling it to coffee roasters for $3.70 per pound. Which at $3.25, that's more than three times the price of the commodities market of $1.05. Since De La Gente is buying based on quality, what they're buying is the happy medium of the coffee from these farmers. 
So anything that doesn't hit that quality, if there's a certain part of the farm that didn't get the right nutrient or anything like that, that coffee can still be lumped together and sold in the commodities market and they can, the farmers can still get some money for that. But it's not going to deteriorate the integrity of the blend itself. And on the other extreme as well, if farmers have some really excellent coffee that is has more value than being part of De La Gente, the farmer can still sell that independently and rack up an even higher price. Which that was the case for Juan Carlos in that one of his micro lots produced really high quality coffee that he was able to take to a national competition and it ranked in the top five in all of Guatemala that year. After the coffee tour, I was able to interview Juan Carlos for a few minutes where I was able to ask him further about coffee prices. We were still at Juan Carlos's house and the, the tour was still there and so the audio is not that good because you could still hear the people in the background. But in this recording, I'm talking to Juan Carlos through a De La Gente translator. So how much does the price fluctuate for selling the coffee like through the cooperative? Does it change a lot every season? No, que si te cambia el precio todos los años, dice que si tienes fluctuaciones de precio cuando te vas a Ahora, pues, sí hubo una variación, bajó un poco, porque también en los mercados estuvo demasiado bajo. This year they changed the price, but usually they hold the price uh, around the year. Okay. Then, the last year the price was uh, $3.60 per pound for the farmers. Okay. Raw coffee or green coffee. Okay. And this year it's uh, $3.25 per pound. Okay. Is, that, is that through fair trade coffee or is this the sea market price? It's a great question. ¿Sabes si es un trato justo o si es un trato directo? ¿Cómo es? Bueno, para nosotros sí es un precio muy justo, muy. Para nosotros es bien pagado. It's a very well payment. It's a very well paid for this coffee. He said. Usually, the gente explain that it's not a fair trade, it's a direct trade. Direct trade, right. Uh -huh. Okay. Direct trade. Because they are, there's a bridge between the farmers and the customers. Okay. Yo tuve la oportunidad de que tuve mucha cosecha y vender en Maduro. Oh, this year he had a big production of coffee and he is. Sold a little bit of coffee uh, right through directly to the big farms. Uh -huh. Right. The, the price was very cheap because they were paying 125 quetzales per 100 pounds. Okay. One quetzal and 25 cents per pound. Less than 25 cents of dollars. Really? Yeah. Wow. How much um, how much control does he have over the price? Like, if, if he produces really good coffee, does he get more value out of that? Or does it really, it's that price already set for him no matter what? Uh, that is a great question, too. I have an opinion and he has another one. Como puedes manejar tu precio de tu café? ¿Tú puedes ponerle el precio de tu café cuando se lo vendes a De La Bueno, no puede uno porque como es una mezcla entre de todos. Then they cannot settle a price of this coffee because it's a blend of the 24 members of this cooperative. Mm -hmm. 
es un, es un precio muy bien pagado. Es un muy, muy buen payment por estos cafés en este momento. No quieren pedir más por estos cafés. Nosotros nos pagan un precio como en Guatemala nadie va a pagar de extranjero hacia Guatemala. Ellos pagan un precio que. Here in Guatemala, it's very hard to find up that price. I think the la gente is the only one paying for that price for this coffee. Okay. Here in Guatemala. Nos hacen eso para ayudarnos. That way, the la gente helps them. Y nosotros poderle pagar más a los que nos ayudan a cortar. In that way, they can pay more for the pickers of this coffee too. Okay. The work that people like Juan Carlos put in deserve to be recognized and rewarded for it. But that only happens if they're able to sell their coffee at specialty price, not as a generic commodity. The more that we know about where coffee comes from and are able to identify quality in coffee, not just by latte art at a coffee stand, but actually being able to try coffee and taste coffee without putting anything in to dilute its flavor, the more coffee farmers have bargaining power to be able to say, this is not just a commodity anymore. We deserve to be paid an equitable price for this based on their own merits. But the only way that coffee farmers are gonna get an equitable price is if we as consumers are more educated. The more we can actually identify what quality tastes like, the more that we'll be willing to pay a higher price for it, which then gives more bargaining power to coffee farmers to sell their coffee as a specialty and not just as a commodity. If you wanna learn more about De La Gente and the work they do, or even buy some of their coffee because they do have a small roastery on the side that you can buy their coffee online and have it shipped directly to you. Just go to dlgcoffee.org. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Paradigm Coffee Podcast. You can purchase this episode's coffee at paradigmcoffeeroasters.com, which 40% of the profits will be donated to Charity Water, a nonprofit organization that provides sustainable clean water access to millions of people around the world there are still more than 600 million people without safe access to clean water. And Charity Water is the leading organization in providing high-impact, sustainable solutions. They fund projects in coffee-producing countries like Guatemala, Ethiopia, Kenya, and Rwanda. You can check out their work at charitywater.org. Until next time, I'm Grant Storer, and thanks for listening.